Hey. This is Robert. This is Nolan from Politics Weekly. Hello. Hey, I'm here. How's it going? Good. So you want to talk about uh, Steve Dicko? Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's talk about it. All right. So first, why don't we talk about, for those who are listening, I was going to put this on my, my thing, and you can put it on my, on yours as well, if you want. You don't have to, but if you want to, you can put it on there. I'm going to put it on mine. Okay. Um, but uh, so let's, why don't I give a bit of info to those who do not know who Steve Dicko was. So Steve Dicko uh, was uh, the son of first-generation uh, Americans, uh, or, he, or he was of Slavic descent. Um, yeah. And he was um, he was born in Johnstown, Pennsylvania, on November second, nineteen twenty seven. Um, yeah. He uh, he uh, he studied when he was in college. Uh, he studied under um, Batman or under uh, in, uh, Jerry Robinson, who right. was an artist for Batman, uh, and he studied at a, and that was at a cartoonist school uh, in New York City. He lived in New yeah. York City most of his life. Um, and eventually he became friends with, uh, Joe Simon and Jack Kirby, who, yeah. uh, who worked, who were the creators of Captain America. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, he, at first he worked for uh, a company called Charleston Comics, which yeah. was a third party comp- company in the nineties, kind of like image comics today, but it was like in the nineties, it was just that, mm-hmm. um, and then in the 50s, he worked for Atlas Comics, uh, which would later be called Marvel Comics. Um, and he worked on he – cre- he co-created Spider-Man, um, and he co-created Doctor Strange. And I know a lot of people are like, but wait a second, didn't Stan Lee create those characters? Well, he wrote the story. Stan Lee wrote the story for those characters. Steve Ditko was the one who came up with the design for how Spider-Man should look and how Doctor Strange should look. So he is credited as the co-creator of both of those characters. Absolutely. He had input on both of those characters. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, why don't we start? Do you have what, – what are some of your memories of Steve Ditko and his work? Well, you know, I enjoy his work because he had his hand in some of my favorite characters. You know, I like Spider-Man. Yeah. I like Doctor Strange, and um, even if I put on my DC hat, you know, I know he also co-created, you know, Captain Adam. Yeah, and Blue Beetle. Yeah, yeah, Blue Beetle. So he's he's been in comics. I mean, we've all. I mean, if you are a comic book fan, then you have at least ran across some of his work, you know, either directly or indirectly, you know. But he's an artist, so mm-hmm. you've probably seen some of his work. Maybe didn't even know it was him. But, you know, he's in there, you know, he's in there. He's worked with Strange Tales. And like you said, Atlas Comics, you know, Amazing Spider-Man, mm-hmm. Doctor Strange, Blue Beetle, Captain Adam. You know, he's worked alongside, you know, Jack Kirby, you know, Stan Lee. I mean, so the guy, you know, he had he has accolades. He has accolades. Yeah. I mean, he worked for the two biggest comic book companies on the planet. So, um, you know, I like I like I like some of his work on those two, you know, marquee characters you know yeah spider-man and dr strange mainly yeah hold on um so um and then it should also be noted that steve dicko after the 60s he never wanted to get another picture publicly taken of him right um because that's why if you look at any picture on google of steve dicko you'll only find pictures of him from the 1990s 
Or not, uh, not, no, not even that. Like the 1960s, really, when he was working at Marvel. Because mm-hmm. I remember when I was a, a kid, um, I wanted we. I, I was in third grade, and I read a lot of the Marvel masterworks, which are like reprints of the old Marvel comics. Right. Um. So we had to do an assignment one time where we had to say who you wanted to be like when you grew up, and I wanted to do Steve Ditko. But the, I couldn't find a. There was no picture online uh, of Steve Ditko from recently because he. The last picture of him was taken in the 1960s. Right. Um, so I had to go with John Romita instead, who is the guy who, of course, replaced Steve Ditko uh, on Spider-Man after he retired. Right. Right. Yeah. So out of uh, all of Steve Ditko's uh, work, what would you say is your your favorite? Uh, you know, what would you, well, have, how many Steve Ditko drawn comics have you read or read like, like estimated, like, have you read a lot, maybe not many or, you know what? I, I, I didn't, uh, do a lot, lot, but I do know some of the, some of his, um, short stories, um, that he did, you know, like the journey and the mystery type stuff, um, strange tales you know major you know things yeah. like that that he did you know during the whole marvel uh, atlas and marvel type yeah. thing um and at the beginning i didn't know or i didn't I, I won't say i didn't know i didn't pay attention to whether or not at the time that it was uh steve ditko uh it's kind of like an afterthought i was like oh yeah wow that, that was steve ditko you know what i'm saying so it wasn't like i was gravitating and just um, going towards him, um, you know, deliberately. I wasn't like, okay, let me go get a Steve Ditko uh, type thing. But I did notice that I appreciated some of the, you know, some of the little short stories and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, that 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 he worked on. So yeah. looking back, so you know, because once I heard about the loss, I was like, huh, let me see. Wait a minute, let me go back to some of the things that you know I kind of came across. So yeah, you know, so I like some, I like some of his stuff. Um, you know, I appreciate some of his stuff. Is there what? any? Is oh, sorry, we're gonna say something. No, I was gonna say what are some of your favorite stories. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, I was about to ask you the same thing. Um, mm-hmm. mine, my probably my favorite story he that he did. And I think Stanley has also agreed because Stanley has said in interviews that this was also his favorite story. I think it was Amazing Spider-Man. I want to say Amazing Spider-Man number thirty to thirty-three, maybe mm-hmm. or thirty-two. Okay. Um, it was. What happened in this, the comic was – well, the storyline of the comic was that Aunt May was dying. And mm-hmm. so Peter has to get this special serum. Uh, and so he has to break into this lab to get the serum. Um, and Doc Ock is working in this lab, and he has to get past Doc Ock. Um, mm-hmm. And then in the cliffhanger, in the second-to-last issue, there's this giant cliffhanger. that It actually got Superman Homecoming – and an episode of the spectacular where this giant piece of the ceiling just falls on top of uh, Spider-Man. And okay. he, has, he has to lift it. It's like an iconic image in like Spider-Man history. And he has to lift it. And it's like, and the building is about to flood. So, he, so Spider-Man could suffocate and he's stuck under this giant platform and he, just can't, it's like almost like the the size of an entire building, and he has to lift it up, and he can't do it. And so, um, and so, what? In pretty much the 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 majority of the final issue 
uh, was him like pretty much giving up and being like, oh, well, I'm not going to get out of this one. And then eventually having to remember Uncle Ben and Aunt May and remembering that he has to do this for Aunt May and everything. And then he, he like, and, but just the way Steve Ditko drew it, it was like, you could feel every ounce of Parker's pain. It's like, he tries to lift it a little bit. He can't do it. He tries to lift it. And like, like he just like the muscle movement that he drew, it was like you could legitimately feel like he was in pain while he was doing that, and it was really an, an incredible issue of Spider-Man. I thought nice, yeah, nice. Well, I, well, some of the artwork, if I'm really thinking about Steve Ditko, some of his artwork. I mean, I do appreciate the Spider-Man. I love that. Um, but I'm, a, you know, I'm gonna go towards some of the Doctor Strange, some of the uh, yeah, some of the images because I like how you know you get into this fanciful fanciful world you know yeah disoriented looks you know look like you're on you know hallucinogenics or something had a really psychedelic kind of look so you know yeah took us to a different world and and, you know and i appreciate that yeah well i really enjoyed that i really enjoyed that about steve ditko's work in general was that Mm -hmm. he had very it was very surreal Mm -hmm. you know it was this very you know weird uh surreal bizarre uh you know artwork it was almost like a mix of um a fantasy and realism you know at the same time yeah um and then i'm not sure if you heard if you know the story about how he ended up uh becoming the co-creator of spider-man i'm not sure if you heard so essentially because jack kirby at the time drew almost everything Like, he drew Avengers, he did Fantastic Four, he did Hulk, he did uh, X-Men, he did everything. Um, So, uh, I think with the exception of Doctor Strange, which Ditko did, and then also Daredevil. But aside Mm -hmm. from that, he did mostly everything. But then, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Stan Lee went to him, went to Jack Kirby to do Spider-Man. And so Jack Kirby drew an image of Mm Spider-Man... But he was all muscular and big, and he was like this ginormous, really strong. Because Steve Ditko was, or not Steve Ditko, Jack Kirby was used to drawing all these big muscle yeah. heroes like Hulk and Captain America. So right. he drew Spider Man as this big muscle man. And <laughs> Stanley didn't like that because Peter was supposed to be a, a kid. So yeah. he wanted him to actually look like a scrawny kid. Yeah. And so he went to. Steve Ditko, and he and that's because he knew that Steve Ditko could draw was better at draw when it came to drawing realism. Yeah, and Steve Ditko ended up drawing the image of Spider Man that we all associate with nowadays. Uh, I like that. Yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah, and Phil, well, we we have suffered a great loss, man. Rest in peace, oh, yeah. Ditko. Well, it's really sad because around this time last year. Uh, Stanley's wife died and she was she doesn't get a lot of credit or she doesn't get enough credit because she was extremely influential in uh, getting Stan to create Fantastic Four and she was the inspiration for Gwen Stacy uh, and a lot of other Marvel characters um, and now just a year later around the, that same time Steve Ditko died so it's, oh, it's my very goodness. sad yeah, rest yeah. in peace, man. Rest yeah. in peace in that, man. Yeah. Well, well 
Are there like any specific stories that you can think of? Uh, now off the top of my head, I'd have to kind of go through uh, my boxes because I got a few boxes of comments. I'd have to go right through to like dig deep into it because at the yeah. time, I mean, that was at a younger age, and at the time, I didn't pay attention to um, artists as much and writers as much until a little bit later. When I got into um, the comics and I started to actually pay attention to artists and writers, mm-hmm. it was uh, Jim Lee, Chris Kel- Claremont, yeah. you know, stuff like that. You know, I, met, I actually met Chris Claremont once, fun oh, fact. Oh, really? Yeah. Really? At New York City Comic Con, yeah. Oh, that, man, that's awesome. Man. Yeah. I, I never met him. I did meet Jim Lee. I met him at a comic book store. Bookstore. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, that was great. And he signed one of my, a couple of my issues, actually, yeah. two of my issues. But that's when I really started paying attention to artists and writers and stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm, I have to go back into my remembrance to go back yeah. and say, okay, this book is by this person and stuff yeah. like that, you know. So you um, yeah. I can't remember a specific story right off the top of my head. I'd have to, you know, go, like I said, go through my pile of books and then look at it from there. Yeah. Because I can name, I mean, obviously I could talk about a bunch of different stories, but I, w- I may be attributing it to someone and it's not uh, Zico. So I yeah. don't want to do that. Yeah. I, don't I mean, I only knew which ones were Dicko. I, I only knew who the writers and the artists were as a kid because I got into comics by reading reprints of the original 60s issues. Like they used to have in the New York, I think it was the New York Post maybe, they used to have reprints uh, of okay. the original 60s spider-man they stopped it after like 25 issues right but then i bought the marvel masterworks afterwards and okay. they would always have things that said stuff like uh jazzy like like stanley was in and was infamous for giving all the him and all the other people that worked on the books like adjectives and like funny names like yeah. say, <laughs> stylish stan jazzy yeah. john ramita you know, people like that. So because of that, I was able to remember who all the people that wrote the comics were. But that, that was the only reason why. I like that. I yeah. like that. Classic yeah. Stan Lee. Yeah, exactly. Man, it's going to be a dark day when we lose Stan Lee because he's already like 90. So really He's 95. 95, yeah. yeah. Just, and and Steve Ditko was 90. Wow. Yeah. And He's been I, doing it a long time, man. Yeah, and I don't want to get too much into this because this, this is a tribute to Steve Ditko, but um, there's been, unfortunately, it's looking like there's a really, is this is very sad, but it's looking like there's been a lot of elder abuse lately with Stan Lee. Yeah. Yeah, so really sad. I don't want to get too much into that, but it's really sad. But, you know, unfortunately, this is a, this is a huge, huge loss for anybody who is a Spider-Man fan or a Doctor Strange fan or a Marvel fan in general, because, see, because oh man, or even a comic book fan in general, because Steve Ditko was really a great, talented man. Um, and it's, it's really a shame. I've actually met Stan Lee once, too. Really? Yeah, I, well, I, I think there's a video where I asked him a question at a Q&A that I have on my old YouTube channel. Man, that's awesome, man. That's wow. Yes. I got to hang around you more often. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome, man. Yeah. Well, I guess you know what? Um, speaking of comics, and I didn't know if you want to transition or not, but I was wondering if you had a chance to uh, see uh, Ant Man and the Wasp over the weekend. I did. I did wow. see Ant Man and the Wasp. Yeah. Well, we are talking about comics. What are your initial thoughts on the movie? 
Well, first of all, I should probably uh, talk about my my thoughts on the first Ant Man movie first. So, okay, so I didn't like the first Ant Man movie. I I uh, I had a ton of problems. I remember when the first Ant Man movie came out. I reviewed it on my Instagram, and everybody like got uh, really upset because I didn't. I because everybody was like, "What? The movie was great. How did you not like the movie?" So mainly my main problems, because here's the thing. I, I was talking to somebody yesterday about Ant-Man 1, and they said, um, you know, I think I liked the first Ant-Man because I didn't know much about Ant-Man. Um, right. And I think that might have been why I didn't like, like the first Ant-Man. Um, mainly I didn't like how they did uh, Wasp in the first – or I didn't like how they did uh, Janet in the first movie, ha- be, uh, how they just like, like you know – explained her you know her whole character in like one one minute without any respect for the character okay. even though it's like okay and i had i took issue with that because janet was a character i mean this is a character that was one of the founding avengers okay so for them to just like explain away a character like that in like a minute i mean really i didn't like that i also didn't like Hope's character. Hope's character uh, bothered me. Uh, I found Scott to be an unlikable character too because the main thing I pro- the main problem I had with Scott in the first movie was that he's always the type of character who's uh, putting people in danger. He's always the type of character. And and here's the thing um, with with his crime. If he made one bad mistake in the movie. Right. And then let's say uh, he reforms, but then all these villains from his past come back to haunt him. Right. I, I, I would understand that, and he would be a more likable character that way. Mm-hmm. But the problem with Scott was mainly that he would keep jumping back into crimes. Like, for example, he didn't have to go and steal an armor. He didn't have to go back into a crime life. Um, but he ended up doing that, um, even though he was trying to even though it pretty much jeopardized his relationship with his daughter. Um, So I found that extremely unlikable about Scott. Um, And um, I didn't like, I didn't really like Mike. I I didn't like Michael Douglas's uh, take on Hank Pym. Um, I didn't exactly know what they were going for with the character. I didn't know if they were trying, you know, I didn't, I, here's the thing. I think the tone of the movie overall was very confusing because at some points it felt like it was trying to be charming. And then at other points where, you know, they were having people that had gone insane because of the shrinking serum or they had Hank uh, uh, almost assault a guy. It felt like they were trying to make a dark comedy. So it was either it was like either try and make a charming movie or try and make a dark comedy, but don't do both. Right. So that so that was another problem, and then the the pacing was all over the place, and and overall it, it, it just was not a good movie, in my opinion. Um, and I I didn't like Michael Pena. I know a lot of people liked Michael Pena's Michael Pena's character, but I the problem I had with Michael Pena's character was that he was just there. It felt like he was just there for comic relief. It, I, you know what, I agree with that. Now, I, I was as I was listening to you and everything, I was like, man, we're on opposite sides of the spectrum, except for the Michael Pena, because he became a little bit, he became a little bit annoying to me. Yeah. Bit. 
where I was just like, okay, they're kind of like shoving them down our throat kind of thing. Yeah. And I, you know, and I didn't like that. I, I, I'm not crazy about his uh, uh, character because it's like he kind of takes over a scene, but like in an annoying way and not in an endearing way for me. Yeah. The other thing, you know, uh, I guess addressing the other things that you uh, said, you know, I just, I I don't, I I was actually enjoying it for, the opposite reasons of, of, of what you were saying. And, and what I mean is, for instance, I mean, we know that Hank Pym is the original Ant-Man. So in the comics, you know, you had uh, Hank Pym and he's the genius behind it. We know that Scott Lang is the thief and stuff like that. And they didn't interact, you know, in, in the comic books, you know, per se. Not like, you know, not like what they're presenting to us on the screen. Yeah. But I kind of like, I like the way they brought those two where they can use, they kind of got a two for one. Okay. Yeah. Kinda, you know, they kind of achieved the two for one and say, okay, we got the original Ant Man, then we got the new Ant Man, yeah. and we and we go from there. Because like, if you go to like the cartoons and stuff, that's Hank Pym. You know, that's not Scott Lang. Yeah. So, 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 and and I understand continuities is different and all that. I get that. But, um, so I did. I like the way they did that. Um, I agree with uh, what you were saying as far as the um, the disrespect with um um uh, Van Dyne. Van yeah, Dyne. I, yeah. yeah. Janet, yeah, Janet. I'm sorry, I couldn't remember her first name. Um, with with Janet, because you're right, they didn't give enough in there. But then again, I give them a little bit of a pass, and the reason why is because if if, if the MCU has shown us anything is that they do have long range thinking. So they say, well, you know, we're gonna do Ant Man and the Wasp, and we're gonna give more information on Janet in the next. Yeah. one. just give them a little bit now. Yeah. Now, if it, now if it was a one off then I would totally be on board with what you're saying, but we we know that yeah. it's a three-picture deal. Yeah. You know? It's it's just for me, it would be like, imagine if they were doing a, a, a Spider-Man reboot yeah. with Miles Morales, and yeah. let's say the first movie is just Miles Morales, Peter Parker has died, and they're doing Miles Morales, and let's say they do, they take one minute, and just one minute to explain Peter Parker. Yeah. I mean, even if... <laughs> Even if the next movie is all about Peter Parker and how, how you know, even, even if the next movie pretty much centers around Peter Parker, right. then it doesn't matter because the fir- because he's the flagship Marvel character and you're only, get, you're only talking about him for like one minute. Um, oh, I get it. Yeah. And like with Janet, Janet is a character that literally, I mean, was on the cover of Avengers number one. So that was that was mainly my issue is that it's like this is a character that was a founding Avenger in the comic and you're just gonna like explain it away, you know, in one second. No, I no, I get it. I get yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. Uh I'd underst I, I heard and I think I think maybe you mentioned it or something, but I heard that um Oh no, I think somebody else maybe mentioned, but I heard that uh Michael Douglas wanted to do a prequel. To the yes, movie. I heard he about wanted, that. Yeah. yeah, he yeah he wanted to do a prequel, and he wants to jump in there. Of course, they have to use that anti-age technology, but that is very expensive, you know, yeah. like they did. Because they I used, don't think they're gonna do that. It, they used it in this movie. They used it in Ant Man and Wasp. You know. Yeah, I don't think they're gonna do that. I I mean, I know actors that will say, "I want to do this movie. I want to do this movie." Sure. And and that's just wishful thinking for them. Like for example, I remember after Man of Steel, the uh, the uh, what's his name. The uh, the guy who played Clark's birth father on Krypton, oh, okay, I think it was yeah. Jor-El, Jor-El, the guy who played him, yeah, the British Crow. guy, uh, Russell Crowe, Russell, Crow. yeah, Russell Crowe, Russell Crowe. 
he uh, he said he wanted to do a a, a prequel about Jor-El on Krypton and everything. Right. Um, and that never came to fruition because nobody nobody wanted it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, except for him because he wanted you know a movie of just Jor-El FaceTime. So I doubt that Marvel's going to do that. I mean, especially since uh, nobody else really wants a Hank Pym prequel movie. I think most nah. people want a Black Widow movie. They want they want to see how Captain Marvel turns out. They want to see how Avengers Four turns out. Yeah. They don't want to see a an Ant Man prequel movie. No, it, it it won't it won't do anything. I don't I, I'm not even interested in it because it, it won't do anything to advance the story or yeah. enhance you know or enhance what it is. We we kinda we have the gist of it and mm-hmm. then we know as far as a lot of the physical action scene, it won't be him anyway because of his yeah. age. So yeah. to me it's pointless. You know, yeah. like, eh, you know, it's not I mean, new, but yeah. yeah. I mean, I wouldn't mind if in Captain Marvel, maybe Hank Pym shows up even like for a cameo because we know it's in the 90s. I'm okay we know, with that. We know it's going to explore more of the uh, the MCU's history. We yeah. know that Coulson's going to make his first film debut for the first time since Avengers 1. We right. know uh, younger Nick Fury is going to show up with both eyes. Right. Uh, so... For that reason, I so I wouldn't. I mean, it would line up pretty well because I mean they say that Michael Douglas was or Hank Pym was a part of Shield at this time right. in the '90s because at the beginning of the first Ant Man movie they de-aged him and they had uh, Peggy and Howard Stark and everybody. So I wouldn't mind if they did that for right. Captain Marvel. Um, but aside from that, I don't think it would really make sense to do a prequel movie. Nah. Um, even though I, you know, even though I like the character, I think my favorite version of Ant Man in the comics, by the way, is probably Eric O'Grady. Okay, but I, I, de- I get that they probably could not do Eric O'Grady in the movie because Eric O'Grady isn't exactly a kid-friendly character. Uh, <laughs> I mean, this is the the. I mean, uh, if you know anything about Eric O'Grady, he's a little bit of uh, a pervert. Okay, in the comics. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think it would be pretty awkward if they did Eric O'Grady. I thought he – but um, but he is my favorite Ant-Man. But can, uh, anyways, when it comes to my thoughts about the new Ant-Man movie, I thought it was a, definitely a step up. I, I thought it was a lot better than the first movie, honestly. Yeah. Um, I, thought, I thought mainly they actually fixed the mistakes they made in the first movie. They All actually right. expanded on Hope as a character. They yeah. actually did Janet right. They actually made Scott a likable character. Like, Scott in the movie is actually, you know, hanging out with his daughter and trying to be a good father to his daughter. Yeah. Where unlike in the first movie, he's just jumping into crime and whatnot. Um, and uh, I thought I had, I had more of a – I think the pacing was better in this film. Yeah. Um, the villain was certainly better. Well, there were two villains, technically. Yeah. The one villain was atrocious. Yeah. And the other villain – the other villain was probably one of the best MCU villains ever. Yeah. Um, so uh, I thought the so I thought the one villain that was good was better. And this is a spoiler-free review, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Spoiler. Okay. Spoiler-free. Okay. So so we can't talk about how Hank Pym becomes the villain at the end and, <laughs> and murders everybody. <laughs> no, you you got to save that. Yeah. Oh, oops. Was that a spoiler? Sorry. 
Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And then Deadpool makes a cameo. So, oh, sorry. Oh, about that. no, no, no. You got to save something. for Yeah. The yeah. Save sorry. Something. Sorry. I'm, I'm just I'm just reviewing everything. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so yeah, I thought I, 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 I'm not gonna lie, I had a blast with it. I thought it was a, I thought it was a fun. Movie. It was fun, and do um, not, do not mention Galactus. Do not. Oh, mention uh, you just did. You oh, just did. oh, oh, oh. Uh, like, okay, we crap. gotta wait a few more weekends before yeah. we start talking about that. Yeah. Okay. 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 I just want. I, good thing I didn't mention Modok. Oh crap! <laughs> I mentioned. <laughs> All right. I tell you, I tell you what. Let, let, okay, let's get back on track before um, we make a mistake and say too much. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'll go. No, I'll go with you. I, I do like the the character development and the pacing of the film. What else were you? What else did you like? What else did I like? Well, uh, I thought uh, I don't want to reveal too much many spoilers, but uh, sure. go. Well, I'll just reveal what's been revealed in the trailers. How about that? Sure. sure. Uh, there you go. There you yeah. Go. So, um, so I thought the character of Ghost. Uh, was good i thought this was one of the few times when the villain might have actually been right um okay. i thought the motivations made sense i like the um, motivation yeah i i liked i also liked how they made the quantum realm uh actually kind of a horrible thing they well they kind of made it like a beautiful thing and a horrible thing at the same yeah, time exactly yes yeah. that's what they did yeah yeah and yeah. i thought and i also thought like the thing about the the first Ant-Man movie was the Thomas the Tank Engine scene where they like grow Thomas. <laughs> that yeah. was that was ambitious, but they didn't really do anything that ambitious throughout the the rest of the film. Whereas with this film, they actually expand upon that and they actually like are growing Pez dispensers <laughs> uh, and like growing car, growing like little race cars and everything. And right. I thought that was I like better. I like that. I like how they definitely made you know, shrinking and growing very interesting and a very useful ability. I I really enjoy that because I don't, you know, because the ability itself, I didn't think that much of it. I thought, mm. eh, okay, it's neat. But then they actually, in the movie, they actually made it pretty cool. Yeah, they actually know, had fun useful. with it. They actually had yeah, fun with it. Yeah, they had a it. lot yeah. of fun with it. And yeah, you're like, oh man, okay, that works. That's yeah. awesome. That's awesome, you know. So I do, I do like that. I like how they handled that particular tech, that particular technology and ability. And also like how they handled ghosts too. That was pretty yeah. cool. And I think with the first Ant-Man movie, I think that Edgar Wright, because you know how Edgar Wright was supposed to direct that movie. And then like two weeks before the movie came out, he got like when they had all the casts, Edgar Wright or Michael Douglas and Paul Rudd had both been cast because they had a difference. I think they said it was a difference over the character of Scott Lang um, because he wanted to change the character so that he was an employee that worked for Hank Pym. And, oh, uh, but um, and Marvel didn't like that idea, um, so uh, they decided. Uh, although it do, it does kind of solve a plot hole because, like, why would out of all the people in the world, why would Hank Pym want to get Scott Lang when he's like when he at this point you know is rich and could probably afford like a secret agent or somebody to steal his stuff and actually go on that mission. I agree, I agree with that point. The only thing is they and they they dealt with it a little bit, and this is a little bit. Remember, um, Hank said, "I've been watching you. I know who you are. I've been watching you, and I commissioned you to steal the suit just to yeah. see if he's able to." So he, you know, so he, you know, so he was watching him, and, he, and they basically letting us know that he was doing his homework. Now, don't get me wrong; it's not deep enough. 
It's not a strong enough. Yeah. Uh, I, but they did at least deal with it. I mean, bit. the only reason I could think of as to why he went with him, aside from like millions of other people in the world he probably could have hired, mm-hmm. was because his uh, was because of the daughter, the father daughter issues. That was the only issue because sure. he kind of had a falling out with Hope. Yep. Uh, Hope didn't really like him anymore. Yeah. Uh, and he just didn't want that to happen to Scott because Scott was being uh, an a-hole to his daughter. Okay. So maybe, I, I mean, I kind of got the impression that maybe he thought that he wanted, he didn't want that, he didn't want his daughter to have a falling out with him uh, because he wasn't there to be a father the whole time. Right. Um, uh, but aside from that, that was the only thing I could think of. Uh, I mean, I think there were plenty of other people he could have, gone with to get to solve that case but uh yeah yeah they yeah they were trying to make it work it's uh you know it's a patchwork yeah whereas yeah yeah. but with like the original edgar wright version the whole plot was supposed to be that because he was an employee that worked for him then all of a sudden boom he has more connections to him and that kind of is why is how they sort of get around it a little bit right right um but yeah and then um in terms of the humor, I'm not a big fan of MCU humor, um, but for the most part, I thought the humor was definitely better in this film. Because the thing about MCU humor is like, I'll give you an example in like Infinity War. Uh, Infinity War, uh, there's like a scene in the movie where Bruce is wearing the Hulkbuster armor, and yeah. then he falls down, and Okoye kind of gives him a funny look, and then everybody in the audience like bursts out in laughter like it's the funniest thing They've seen like, oh, he fell down. He right. fell down. It's like, and a lot of MCU humor is kind of like that, mm. um, which always bothers me. And this was be- like, this was better. It wasn't in this movie. The humor was actually, I mean, the humor was clever, but there were two problems I found with the humor um, wow. was that the humor, well, A, the humor was uh, often during dramatic scenes they right. come up with a joke. Like, there's one scene where Scott is talking to Hank and Janet. I'm not going to spoil it. Right. But during that scene, it's like this really, really dramatic, emotional scene. And then Scott makes this joke and everybody bursts out in laughter in the audience. And then there's oh. another scene. And then the other problem was that some of the jokes were too long and drawn out. I was going to say the same thing, but go ahead. But there's like one scene... Again, not going to spoil it, but if you remember, it was the, one of the scenes with uh, Goliath. There's this one scene that goes on, and you know that it's the, the joke was extremely predictable, and you knew it was coming up. Yeah. You knew where it, right when it began, began you knew where, where it was going. And mm-hmm. um, when it was going on, nobody in the theater, when I went to go see it, was laughing. Like maybe right. one or two people in the audience chuckled a little bit, but it was like they were expecting everybody in the audience to like be. Like, it's funny because it's like, it's supportive, sort of like an interruption of the dramatic irony or and everything. And then, uh, but nobody in the audience is laughing and it's just like, but it goes on. Which scene was that? Which scene was that? Um, It was a scene with, um, without spoiling it, it's a scene with um, Goliath. Uh, Okay. Okay. uh, It's a scene with Goliath and Ghost when they're kind of having a conversation with, uh, with Scott and other people. Okay. okay. Or, um, 
I'm not going to reveal too much about it, but there's this one part of that scene where it's like this really dramatic moment. And then all of a sudden something happens and then it's like, and then it kind of like interrupts the scene and then it just keeps happening over and over and over and over and over for like a minute. And okay. <laughs> like it's kind of like Marvel's expecting you to laugh at that moment, right? And well, okay, I see. Just oh, are you talk? Are you talking about the uh, phone call? Yes. Oh, that's the yeah, that's the one. Yeah, I I didn't and like again without spoiling it or whatever. I just it, it the joke went too long. I was like, yeah, oh, I got to cut that. I mean, they could have cut that in half. Yeah, know? that just went on way too long. Yeah, without spoiling yeah. too much, but. It was like, um, it's like they could have cut it in like a minute. Yeah, it did. I mean, it was like, it, or and like the thing is, like nobody, I, there wasn't a single person in the audience that was laughing. No. And no. When, when it was ringing, when it was like ring, 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 and he's like, "So I did this because I had to." Ring, ring, ring. Anyways, yeah. I was like, like, it's like then everybody in the audience, you feel like everybody's supposed to be laughing, but not a like maybe I heard like a chuckle in the well, audience, was- and that was it. Well, it was getting cringeworthy. It was getting to because it ran too long and it was yeah. very cringy. I was like, oh, okay, please. Yeah, stop. it's like, can we get back to the story, please? Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah it, it was it was definitely too long, the whole telephone thing. But I, I only mention it because, again, it doesn't it doesn't ruin the plot. It doesn't, you know, it's, it's a yeah. joke. You know, it's yeah, a it's joke a joke. It's and a if joke it were one that, joke, I'd be like able to kind of like yeah. get over it. But there were like a couple times in the movie where there's like a really dramatic scene. And then exactly. they just cut to another joke. Exactly. It cuts yeah. to another joke. Yeah. That, and again, with Michael Pena, you know, he had a scene where his jokes are just too, you know, that's just when, he, when he's talking to the yeah. wasp. He's talking to the wasp, that scene. Yeah. And I'm yeah. sorry, but I didn't really like Michael Pena that much more in this movie than I did I in the first one. I didn't. I did not. I did not. Yeah. I did not. I just, it was just, it was, he was too much. He was just, he was annoying. He was yeah. Annoying. And, then, and then, and uh, then talking about the other villain, um, the uh, the hammy over the top villain. He was. It felt like he was just there for comic relief. I mean, it it did, and I think it's like Marvel's. I kind of it's kind of like their solution or their substitute uh, for the Deadpool type humor. And I mean, it's not as dark and it's not adult, but just that slapstick over the top kind of. You know, they're tr- you know trying to give that to us. You know, yeah. I, I mean, it's a failed attempt. Don't get me wrong; it is a failed attempt. But it's kind of like they're like, okay, this, you know, Ant Man and Wasp, this, this uh, character in our franchise will deliver the this 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 type of humor, this kind of slapstick. Yeah. Stuff. You know what I mean? And I'm just yeah. Like, uh, it, it was like it, it felt forced. It felt forced yeah. To me. And there was like, I'd be willing. If he was like a throwaway villain, but he was like unique and he had cool powers. Yeah. Like even if he wasn't developed, I might be able to accept that a little bit more. Like Ebony Maw. In yeah. Infinity War, like, had barely any development. There was yeah. no reason to connect with him. Right. But plenty of people liked him because he was a pretty cool-looking villain, and he was exactly. a pretty creative villain, and he had pretty creative powers. Exactly. Whereas with this guy, it was just a uh, generic man with a gun. Man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, yeah, gen- generic man. It's, it should, should be gen- – his, his supervillain name should have been generic guy with a gun man or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or, or criminal boss man. Yeah, he was – yeah, he was very underwhelming, and his motivation wasn't quite as strong. It was just uh, – I don't know. I don't know. I mean, that, yeah. I mean that, like I said, that's the bad. We talk about the good of the movie and the bad of the movie. Yeah. That, and I, 
yeah. That guy, uh, he was forgettable, but anyway. yeah. And I and I did appreciate that there wasn't another. We're gonna take over the world. I like that. I like yeah. that. Because like the only times that I can think of when I or, or like as of recently in Phase Three, the only time when I think the world wasn't really in danger in a Phase Three movie, right? Um, except for maybe Thor Ragnarok, but even then, a world, a realm was in danger. Correct. Um, of being destroyed, it was. It just wasn't Earth, and it wasn't the universe. Correct. Um, but aside from uh, that, the only other film where really neither the world or the city or the universe was at stake was probably Spider-Man: Homecoming. Right. Because the bold plot of Spider-Man: Homecoming is we have to stop this guy from getting this alien technology. Right. Because it is dangerous. Right. But it wasn't. Vulture tries to kill everybody in the city or Correct. he tries to take over the world or something like that. Um, whereas here and here, I, I kind of appreciated that where it was really just the villain, the villain is just, you know, trying to do something to survive, not to spoil too much. Mm. And, uh, and the, and even the other villain, as much as we, we, we trash about him, his, his motivations weren't to take over the world. I mean, they That's were pretty true. generic, motivations yeah. they were just like i want to get money and stuff yeah just evil, um, just greed his motivation. just greed but it wasn't like i'll get this and i'll take over the world <laughs> exactly yeah so I, I i appreciated that um i think the 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 biggest flaw of the film is probably its forgettability because um i think uh I think that Black Panther and Avengers Infinity War, like 20 years from now, people will be looking back at those movies. Absolutely. Like people will be like, hey, remember, remember when we were kids and the, that Black yeah. Panther movie came out? Or remember yeah. when that crazy Infinity War came out? Remember how shocked we were when we saw that? I don't think yeah. people are going to look at that the same. They're going to look at Ant-Man and the Wasp and say, oh, my gosh, remember that sheer classic Ant-Man and the Wasp that I saw? I concur. Yeah. I concur. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be that type of. I think now, you know, and I, and I don't want to um, send the wrong message. I mean, it was enjoyable, but I cannot disagree with you uh, in the sense that, you know, it's going to be some memorable classic. It's going to rank really high on your list of favorite Marvel movies and stuff, things like that. It was a fun movie. Yeah. It, I thought it was much it, better than the yeah. first movie. But... Yeah, yeah. It was definitely an upgrade over the first one. I mean, the first one. I mean, I may rank it a little, well, I may score it, I should say, a little bit higher than you would the first one. But yeah. the second one, I, I score it higher than that. So if I get yeah. the first one about, say, a seven, you know, yeah. it's a seven and a half, eight, you know, because it yeah. was a little bit better, you know? Yeah. Um, trying to think of what else was in the movie. Um, trying to think of what other, what, what other thoughts did you think about the movie? What are some other things that you liked or disliked? Well, um, as far as some, you know what? I don't want to end on like a low note, so I'll start with what I dislike, and then I'll tell you what I like. What I dislike, okay, um, is the uh, the second villain uh, and his, you know, his motivation being greed or whatever, because mm-hmm. he just wasn't he wasn't that compelling as a bad guy. Okay? Mm-hmm. So it wasn't there. I didn't. I didn't like that. Um, I didn't. And as we already said, I didn't like Michael Pena's character because he was just a bit much, a little too. It, it got to where to me again. He was just annoying. He was, yeah. getting, he was just getting annoying. I think some of the humor was forced. 
Yeah. Um, I didn't, you know, I didn't enjoy that. I'm like, let the, I wanted the humor to be a little bit more organic and it would just seem forced. It's like, okay, we need to put something funny right here, you know, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, and I didn't like that. So I want, I wish it was a little bit more organic. Some of the other things that I did not like, let me see. Um, that I did not like. I, I, okay, have... I, I do have another criticism. One of the criticisms that I didn't like was that it was a little bit inconsistent with their power sets. And what I mean without any, you know, spoilers or anything like mm-hmm. that. But it's like, okay, when Ant-Man shrinks down, he mm-hmm. maintains his full-size strength. Okay? So that means when he's small, he shouldn't really struggle with weights per se, because he's like an ant. Ant can, you know, lift so much more than their own body weight type of thing. So he maintains his full size or adult yeah. strength, right? But they're, they they get a little inconsistent mm-hmm. in that area. And that, that kind of annoys me. But yeah, I don't think it's going to subtract from the movie or anything. It's just one of those little detail things that, you know, annoys me. It may not bother anybody else or whatever. Yeah. But, you know, to me, I'm like, okay, guys, come on, we're getting a little inconsistent. You know, sometimes yeah. we see it, you know, sometimes we see it, but at other times, I'm like, ah. Eh. So those are the things, you know, I, I you know, I, I guess. Yeah. Like, and then, okay. well, uh, so going into what you're saying about the, the power set um, was, uh, thinking about the power set, another thing was when Michael Pena and, uh, and uh, Hope shrink down, yeah. And they're like in the car and Michael Bennett's yeah. like, ah, we're all going to die. We're all going to die. And there's the boulders and everything. I don't know if like it only works on Ant-Man and Wasp when they right. shrink down. Right. But like if they're like, I just kind of assume that when any of them shrink down, they kind of have, you know, more strength. So I would think that Michael Pena would be able, if, if a boulder did crash into him, he'd be able to survive that while he was shrunk down. That's what I'm thinking. But at the same time, consider this. This is what I was talking about with the inconsistency with the powers. Yeah. It's because when you think about it, when Wasp shrinks down, she's in mm-hmm. her suit. When, when, when Scott Lang shrinks down, he's in her suit. When they were in, well, I can't say too much. Um, but then, so when Michael Pena uh, is in the car and they shrink down, I'm like, how is he shrinking down? I don't, you know what I'm saying? He doesn't have a suit on. And yeah. he, the V, I, I know how the vehicle shrinks down, but I don't know how the human inside the vehicle shrinks down. Yeah. Well, if that it, makes sense. But yeah. That. Well, that makes sense. Well, and then that also goes into, because I remember a lot of people asked me after they saw Infinity War, after everybody turned into dust, everybody right. was like, how did their clothes turn into dust and stuff like that? Well, so it yeah. kind of like is like that. But like, uh, another thing is uh, that's interesting is um, like w- and I think a lot of people made fun of this when the trailer came out is when Hank shr- shrinks down the lab like does he just have all the furniture and all the technology attached to the ground exactly or it, like is all like are all the formulas like neatly put inside cabinets and stuff and it, yeah and bolt it down you know, yeah so it doesn't move but. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, that, that's what I'm saying. It's the de- detail stuff. Now, I admit, for uh, my part, that may be a little nitpicky, but it's just a little, it can be a little annoying for me, so. Yeah, and then one other thing I, I, I just remembered that I didn't like was Randall Park. Randall Park is, uh, you know who Randall Park is? Yeah, yeah, he was the uh, Yeah, agent. yeah. Randall Park is a talented guy. He's a really talented guy, 
But in this movie, they just didn't give him enough to work with. I think it was really Randall Park was just the, the doofus in the movie who was just, again, he was just there for comic relief. He was just a doofus that was uh, <laughs> there to be like the art. Like he, he, he was just one dimensional. He was really yeah. just like really his only character was guy who wants to thwart Scott Lang. That, that should have been his, that should have been what his, his character. Yeah, That's they might have been what that should, that should have been what they just listed his character as in the credits. They should have just said Randall Park as guy who just wants to thwart Scott Lang. Yeah, 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 that's all. He wants to throw it his uh, <laughs> well, everyone knows uh, Scott was on house arrest, so I can say that he wants to throw it uh, his house arrest, so. yeah, he just wants to thwart that, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then also, another thing I did like, um, is that like in the first movie, like it's very hard to sympathize with Scott for the mistakes he makes because he time after time he's given a you know, he's given a chance to reform. Yes, mm-hmm. I get that he's an uh, he's an ex-con and it's hard for him to get a job at other places, but mm-hmm. he's given more and more of a chance to like reform with his daughter and actually has a relationship with his daughter, but he mm-hmm. keeps squandering that and he goes back to a life of crime and it's like after you keep squandering your chances uh ever after you keep squandering your chances of, you know, being a good person again mm-hmm. and actually having a relationship with your daughter, it becomes a little hard to sympathize with you. Whereas in this, whenever he made a mistake, it was like, it wasn't completely his fault. I mean, like when, like, for example, like when they're talking about civil war, not going to reveal what it was, but like when they all blame, there's a part in the movie where they all blame him for something he did during the events of captain America civil war. And it was like, that wasn't really his fault. I mean, it's like, (laughs) like he didn't like plan to be there. He just got sort of kidnapped and brought over there. Yeah. Yeah. and a truck in the movie yeah (laughs) so that wasn't really completely his fault i mean it was just like oh hey we're gonna go fight i'm you know we're gonna go fight the government or we're gonna go fight iron man and everything uh and then two hours later yeah he's just fighting he's just like boom yeah um yeah there was some yeah yeah there's there's definitely some issues um and then without spoiling what is in the post-credits scene what did you think of the post-credits scene I'm just gonna say I enjoyed it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a, and I'm and I'm and I'm saying that I'm being short with you, Nolan. Uh, yeah. Because I don't want to spoil anything. I'm just gonna say I enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I I I, I couldn't believe that uh, they actually revealed that instead of uh, communicating with Captain Marvel, Nick Fury was actually communicating with Squirrel Girl to take down Thanos. <laughs> yeah. Wow. What a what a what a what a what a, what a way to. I know, and, th- and, and, I know. And, and then for them to actually utilize Howard the Duck a little bit more, that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but how, anyway. how would you rate it on a scale of 1 to 10? How would you rate uh, part 2? I'd say probably, I'd say maybe an 8.5, maybe an 8. Okay, okay. I can do that. I can do, like I said, I can do about an 8. Yeah. yeah I can do about an 8, because the first one I give it about a 7, so I can give this one about an 8. It was definitely an yeah. upgrade. Definitely an upgrade. Yeah. Um, so next, the next movie, and uh, it, like just the next, well, there's not another MCU movie till March when we get Captain Marvel, which we don't exactly. even have a, tra- a trailer oh for. So enjoy pondering for the next six months how everybody who died comes back. Oh my goodness, man, we're about to go on a Marvel drought. Can you believe that? Yeah, this is, I think this is the first time since after. Um, 
what was it? I think after the first Ant Man, yeah. when it was like a couple months where we had to wait for Civil War. Exactly. But Civil War didn't, or Ant Man didn't leave us on, neither Ant Man or Age of Ultron left us on a ginormous cliffhanger about. No, no, I didn't. You know, half, half of everybody dying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, I, you know, you're right because over the last 10 years, We've and think about it. If over the last ten years we got so far like twenty movies, and so that tells you that the spacing was pretty good. I mean, we got something in the summer, we got something in the fall. Like Ragnarok came out in the fall. Um, yeah, we got something in spring. So we always had a little something: spring, summer, fall. You know, a little spring, a little fall, a little spring, summer, fall. You know, just different mix up like that. And right now we are going into a serious Marvel drought. And, you yeah, know, so. we don't even know what like. We know, like, Spider-Man doesn't come out until around this time next year. It comes out after Avengers 4, and we already know what the title of Spider-Man 2 is going to be. We don't know what the title of Avengers 4 is going to be, even though that comes out before Spider-Man 2. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, you know, you 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 make a great point. Uh, I tell you what, this is not a a, uh, DCEU, you know, podcast, but, man, this is their opportunity to really make some noise because from here to the end of the year until spring to all the way what till march they i mean they need to roll something out because there's going to be a drought and what i'm saying is if for no other reason they have everyone's attention yeah could have everyone's attention i think is next week san diego comic-con okay well i'm I'm asking i'm not sure if it's let me check i'm not sure i would have to look it up yeah i'll I'll look it up because i think they said at san diego comic-con they're going to release the aquaman trailer Man, they better make the most, I'm telling you. Yeah. I'm telling you. They they better make a lot of noise next week and from here. I mean, I'm telling you, for the next six to eight months, they really got to make some some noise. And I yeah. mean, from here to the end of the year. Because about 30 days out, Marvel's really going to start ramping up their marketing again. So yeah. they, really, they really got, man, they really got to get this thing going, you know, while they have all eyes on them. Starting with Comic-Con, because Marvel's yeah. going to be there. This is their shot. Yeah. And they didn't have D23 this year, so... No, no. Yeah. So that's... Oh, no, it's it looks like it's July 19th to the 22nd. Okay, okay. Uh, so I think uh, it's... Yeah, it's Thursday. Yeah, it's Thursday through the 22nd. So there's that. And then... But think about it. So the next comic book movie in general that comes out is Venom. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, and that doesn't come out until October, so we're going on a major superhero wow. comic book out hiatus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are. Man, this is going to be rough. Oh, oh gosh. This is going to be rough. It's be a rough summer. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, because, oh, man. I mean, you've already gotten Deadpool 2 out of the way. You know, Ant-Man and Wasp just came out last weekend, and, man, we just, you don't have much. You don't have much. You got to looking forward to venom and i don't even so far it's not that much fanfare you know like, well a lot of people are excited about the image of venom and some people yeah, like yeah. the second trailer. i don't know i'm i'm still not sold on venom because it looks like they're doing the origin again but they're doing it without spider-man it looks like that and that's gonna be kind of rough to, yeah to, to, it's to like divorcing him from spider-man i'm not sure that yeah i mean imagine they make a joker movie Yep. Like, without Batman. Or, like, worse than that. Imagine they make a Catwoman movie where there's no Batman, no Gotham. Oh, wait. 
Good point. Yeah. Good point. That's what I'm saying. That's very dangerous. If they're, you know, if they do a Venom completely divorced from Spider-Man, I don't know about. Yeah, it. I mean, Venom's whole motivations know. in the comics are Spider-Man. I mean, that's yeah. Just, yeah. I mean, like, like you could argue at least with Joker, you could argue that maybe some of his motivations, while well, a lot of it has to do with Batman, some of it might have to do with chaos and anarchy. Yeah. But like. Uh, with Venom, it's mainly about Spider-Man. It's mainly yeah, about and and I, it's how it's also how Venom. Now we all know that he's a symbiote. We know that, but it's also how he have some of the characteristics of his powers, his spider-like powers. Yeah. We understand, you know. We I know he has other gifts and abilities, but the reason why Venom looks the way he looks, Spider-Man, the big spider is because of Spider-Man because he's I, connected to Spider-Man first. I, I've heard a rumor that they're going to go the ultimate route and as a way of separating him from Spider-Man, go the ultimate route and, okay. t- and just go take the spider off of him, oh. off of his chest. Because they do that in the Ultimate Comics, and the Ultimate Comics, Venom doesn't have the spider on his chest. Okay. Um, it's just okay. like a big black suit with eyes and a mouth, but there's no oh. spider there. So the rumor is that they're just going to go that route to try okay. and avoid you know, having to explain the fact that they're doing the origin without Spider-Man, which I would not like. (laughs) Yeah. I I hope it works out. Yeah. People, when you, I mean, when you, when you stray too far away from the origins, it could hurt you. But the good news is, is if Sony screws up with that movie, then two months later, they have an opportunity to make up for it with Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Yeah. Yeah. Which looks good. It looks really good. Yeah, Into the Spider-Verse looks really good. But anyways, like yeah. So anything else you want to say about uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp? No, I, I, I enjoyed it. And for those who have not seen it just yet, I mean, we were just, you know, giving it a critique. Um, but I will go ahead and say, just for clarity's sake, it is definitely worth a watch. I would definitely recommend you guys going to take a look at it. I mean, and we both agree that it's an upgrade over the original and over the first yeah. one, that's, and that's no knock against the first one. The first one was okay. Like I said, on a one to ten, I gave it about a seven. But Ant Man and Wasp, I gave it about you know, I gave it about an eight. I, I'm even yeah. uh, prepared to go eight and a half. I just I think it was good. I think yeah. it was uh, much better. So definitely go see it. And it yeah, was a pleasure being on this uh, recap. Oh. With you. oh, thank you. And I and I also thought it was a better movie. And I also think with the first movie, again, they had to work with what Edgar Wright. They kind of had to work with the scraps of what Edgar Wright left behind, whereas sure. this time it actually felt it felt more like Peyton Reed made a Peyton Reed movie, not Peyton Reed picked up an Edgar Wright project and just worked Agreed. on an Edgar Wright project. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. I like that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Anything else? No, I think that's it, Nolan. But hey, appreciate for uh, bringing me on oh, the platform, man. It's always a pleasure talking about MCU or DCEU. And Steve Ditko, matter. of course, because we and talked Steve about Steve Ditko first. Not, yeah. Let's not, let's not just forget about old Steve Ditko. Yep. Peace. Yeah. Well, anytime you want to go over some comic book movies, man, just give me a call and I'll. All right. There, there's probably a lot to talk about when it comes to Avengers 4 theories. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll bring we'll bring me back on and I'll, right. I'll be sure to jump on in a future episode. Appreciate okay. it. Okay. Sounds great. Bye. Bye. All right. Later. Bye.